Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Hey guys, we're on the monorail heading to Magic Kingdom. Alex, if you don't mind, we gotta hit the gift shop as soon as we get to Magic Kingdom. There's this book that I've been dying to buy. I've had my eyes on it for the longest. Not with my wife today, so I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna be your wife today and tell you, no, you cannot buy that. You need to stop buying all this nonsense. Alex, it's not nonsense. It's an investment. This $14.99 that I'm spending now is going to make me millions later. Millions? You can't put a price on inspiration, Alex. Welcome to episode 208 of the Diz His Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris. And I'm Alex. Today will be the first of three episodes of Villains. This is the first of our Villains installment series. We'll be doing these monthly. So whenever you're hearing this, a month from now, we'll be doing our next villain. And then after that, our next villain. Then we're going to have a whole new topic for the next quarter. So I'm really excited to, to dig into this. Today we'll be giving the His on Maleficent. Not to be confused with the live action film, although we will be touching on that a little bit because mm -hmm. it gives really good background and insight into who Maleficent is as a character. Currently, we are recording live for our Goof Troop members, which are our Patreon members. You can find our Patreon by visiting our link tree, which is posted on all of our social media and every single episode description. You click that link, you can join our Patreon, and for just $2 a month, you can be a part of the Goof Troop. Follow us on social media at DizHisPod. You can find us at DizHisPod on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. Like our stuff, turn on notifications for our posts. We keep you updated with what's going on in the world of DizHis. When you join our Patreon, we do monthly giveaways. And like I said, you can find that link on our link tree. One of the new things we're going to be doing is a DizHis blog. And if you want to be a part of the DizHis blog, you can be a contributor. As long as you're a Patreon member, it does not matter what tier you are. Anywhere from the minimum all the way to the top, you can be a contributor to our Diz His blog. This it is right now in the works, and I'm very excited to roll this out and get this started. So please keep an eye out for that. In the coming weeks, we will be posting that on our social media. I'm really excited to get that started. We're gonna have opinions, reviews, all by our Patreon members and also hosts of the show. If you want some awesome merchandise, you can visit us at tpublic.com, which is again just Go to our link tree, hit the merchandise button. We made it very easy. You can also reach out to us via email at dizhispod at gmail.com. That's dizhispod at gmail.com. You can send us any information you like. You can talk about how, like, maybe there's some new things you like, the old things you like about the episodes to come back. Maybe some new things you like us to continue doing, future ideas for episodes, memories we can share on the episodes themselves. And uh, all the goodness you want to share, go ahead and send that to us. Also, if you haven't already, go over and on your reviews, review the podcast. Give us a five-star review, please. You can do it on an Apple, Spotify, Google. Any podcast platform has reviews. And just uh, you know, give us a five-star. It would be really helpful to expand our demographic and get out to more people seeing the episodes on their podcast platforms. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry this is a long intro, guys, but we have a lot of new stuff coming. We have a lot of new exciting stuff. We're freshening up the podcast. We're changing our image a little bit. We're giving you more history. We're giving you more content. And uh, just really excited to, to roll all this out. So 
if you didn't hear what we said the first time, just hit that rewind button like five times. Every every time you rewind, it's 15 seconds. Hit like five <laughs> times and you hear us all over again. But if you want to get into the episode, here's some of the history on Maleficent. So who is Maleficent? Well, if you don't know, she's that big dragon that just caught on fire over and, uh, in Disneyland. Maleficent is an iconic character from Disney's 1959 animated movie, Sleeping Beauty. Since then, Maleficent has become a fan favorite, easily known for being the most evil villain in all of Disney. She became so popular that in 2014, she had her own movie, Maleficent, released to tell more about her backstory. Now, Alex, I know we're going to get into this a little bit more mm-hmm. later, but have you seen the live action Maleficent? I've seen bits and pieces. I don't know if I've seen it from beginning to end. So I watched it for the first time, I think last year, and it was really mm. good. Like, I was really impressed. Really? Yeah. I really like it. You like the whole story and how they changed the backstory a little yeah, bit? Yeah, didn't mind that at all. Didn't mind that at all. I thought it was tastefully mm-hmm. done, and I thought it was uh, – I mean, you know, fairy tales are to each their own. Everybody mm-hmm. is giving their own <laughs> – Disney knows that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody gives their <laughs> own renditions of things. And it was kind of nice seeing Disney switch things up for once after all these cash grabs they've been doing with just putting the same old, same old out, you know, just reproducing the, the same old movie. So it was nice seeing a little bit of changes. Angelina Jolie was awesome as Maleficent. Um, mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, we didn't get the dragon in, in Maleficent, which is a little disappointing. Did you see the second one yet? No, and maybe we get the dragon, and that's why you're saying, if you've seen the second one yet. No, I haven't seen the second one yet, so I have no idea. Oh, okay. No, not haven't seen the second one yet. Uh, excited to. I think I think I only watched the first one because that was the only one that was available on Disney Plus at the time. I think. Mm-hmm. I think that somebody else had the streaming rights for the second one, and that's probably what held me back. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it though. I really enjoyed the movie. I hope to see more villain backstories, which I think we're getting. Uh, we were talking about Scar the other day. So. Yes, we were talking about Scar. Uh, I think he's going to be in, uh, I guess he's going to be a Mufasa movie and Scar will, we'll see more about Scar's backstory in it. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'd rather see backstories of characters than all these reboots. I was really upset when they canceled the, um, Gaston and LeFou series. Oh my gosh. I was looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. And like that, it's give, give us a fresh, give us a fresh backstory. Give us something that we haven't seen before. And that's what we got in Maleficent. That's why I really liked it. But anyway, enough about live action blunders and opposites of blunders. Let's get to the his on Maleficent. Listen well, all of you. Maleficent is an iconic Disney character known for her horns, green skin, and yellow eyes. She has a history that goes beyond Disney. Like a lot of classic Disney tales, stories containing the characters have been told for hundreds of years. The first literature containing the character that became Maleficent was Giambattista's Basil's Sun, Moon, and Talia in 1634. In this story, the king is told his daughter, Princess Talia, will get poisoned by a splinter from flax. Like the Disney story, she pricks her finger, but is then put in a deep forest where a nobleman comes across her. The nobleman gives her a kiss, and she wakes up, but after a while, the nobleman must go back home to his wife. The wife eventually finds out the nobleman is going into the forest to see Talia, who's had kids now and tries to get Talia and her children killed. 
the nobleman shows up and orders that his wife be burned in place of Talia. The wife is burned, and the nobleman marries the young princess. In 1697, Charles Perrault retold the story and titled it Sleeping Beauty. In Perrault's version, a character named the fairy, who is portrayed as vicious and malice, places a curse on Princess Aurora. When Gustave Dores illustrated the fairy tale in the 19th century, he gave the fairy a very dark demeanor. In 1812, the Brothers Grimm retold this story again, now naming it Little Briar Rose. Historians believe these changes to Maleficent may come from various mythological and folkloric figures. One of the inspirations may have been the fairy Morgana, also known as Morgan le Fay, from the legend of King Arthur. Morgan is a witch, fay, or goddess, and is usually King Arthur's sister, aiding him by using her magic. Eventually in the stories, she is transformed into the antagonist, using her magic for both good and evil. So, you start off by kind of describing what Maleficent looks like, yet not, she's someone that I'll never forget, because she's something, someone that really scared me as a kid. Really? Do you remember those, yeah, yeah, because, and for one reason, remember those old VHS sing-along songs, the Disney sing-alongs? Yeah, yeah, kind of. She came out live. It was a live action, right? Yeah, yeah. So there was, I think it was, um, I think it was one of the Halloween ones. It was, they were singing outside the Haunted Mansion. And she's, you know, one of the people that are, are, are in the music video or whatever you call it. And she was just menacing. You know, as a little kid seeing that, that you know, someone's horns and, you know, a pale <laughs> face kind of. It was just, it was just unsettling to say the least. But Man, is she iconic now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Look how look for how sure. far she's come from all these stories. That's kind of what I love about these um, these deep dives on individual characters is that you kind of get to see their how they evolved through the years. Like from oh my gosh, as far back as sixteen thirty four, and is it the same exact character? Well, absolutely not. It's been you know hundreds of mm-hmm. years. So it's kind of cool how we get that that inspiration from back then and the story and the character evolves and evolves and evolves and thank goodness it did because some of these details are oh my god yeah you know it's funny it's because people will be like oh they're just making the same stuff over and over but now we we have proof right here in front of us they did it all the time (laughs) they took a story from the 1600s and remade it in the 1800s it and just changed some details it is true and they cleaned it up along the way and i wonder if we get those Uh same uh maniacs that like you know the, the, the version where the wife is burned is taken out, and, and now it's something mm-hmm. different. And you have those crazies mm-hmm. coming in saying, why'd you take the wife burning part out? Like, yeah. <laughs> because she was she was mad at her husband for cheating on her, and she got burned. <laughs> she's like, you shouldn't be on cheating on me and having a second family. And then he's like, nah, burn her. And they're like, oh, I guess we gotta burn her. Like, do we have, did, did we have um, wife burner truthers back then? That were like, <laughs> I'm not what I'm not reading. Okay, in case you weren't watching stuff back then, I'm not reading this new book that doesn't include the wife burning. I guess this is ridiculous. I don't want to read this to my kid at night. There's no wife burning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want my kids to know if wives are burned, it's good. <laughs> this is what happens. Hey, this is what happens. You burn. So why do Brothers Grimm get all the credit? Like when you talk about these stories, like um, when you talk, like I mean the uh. Charles Perrault, it was named Sleeping Beauty, but yet Brothers Grimm gets all the credit for the story, even though theirs is named Little Briar Rose. Maybe because the similarities and little details are sim- more similar to Brothers Grimm than Charles Perrault. But, like, why do they get all the credit? Because there's no way that all the other stories they tell as well 
are original originals. Yeah, you know what? I think it's just a matter of who made it mainstream. You know, there's a lot of songs that come out yeah, over yeah. the years that like are nothings. And then a famous person will sing it or a more famous person, I mm-hmm. should say. And then they get all the credit for the song, even though it's not their song. A lot of. Uh, yeah, Brothers Grimm is kind of, I mean, at least now we know they're popular, but I imagine they're popular back then too. Yeah, I mean, I, I that that that's a group that I'd love to do a little bit more research on. It's the Brothers Grimm and see, you know, did they, were they just professional plagiarizers? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> like. Think about it. You hear all these brothers grin, but you trace those stories back. How many did they actually make? But how many did they repurpose? Was yeah. that before like copyright laws were around? Yeah, for sure. Probably. See, were copyright laws made because of of the brothers grim? I don't know. Something that I'd really love to to dive into because it is it is interesting because you always it always lead all roads lead to the brothers grim and Disney, but the mm-hmm. the river flows through grim and then continues on to the ocean of disney i feel like in every single one of these stories um it's so funny because you think about how big europe was back then the 1800s 1700s you could like find a story in england take it travel down south to like spain and retell a story and people think it's yours yeah, and, y- and there's no way for you them know to what not. yeah no one's sending maybe like by the time that messenger pigeon gets there to tell that story like brothers grims are probably intercepting messenger pigeons back then to to steal steal the memories of, of and stories <laughs> stories of all these people i don't know I, I, they're, yeah. they're very interesting people so, uh, definitely would love to see that but anyway um i really wanted to know the whole finger pricking thing uh never really mm-hmm. understood that and i never saw all of the original sleeping beauty that was one that i saw bits and pieces of that was not a staple in the ob household a little little too dark uh-huh. i think um so the when I watched Maleficent and I saw the the splinter on the of the, the wagon wheel it was it was it wasn't a wagon wheel it looked like a wagon wheel it's um it's for making yarn yeah for, yeah for, you know, so stuff. you gotta, you you prick your finger and then you f- go into a coma first of all that that's happens to her because she was cursed. yeah but first of all like if I saw this movie as a little kid like I'd be terrified like going to the playground getting a splinter that I'm just gonna fall asleep for fifty years until a, yeah, a prince comes and kisses me. <laughs> <laughs> like so i'm i'm kind of glad i didn't see this till i was older because i'll take i kid you not i watched this movie last year i got a splinter six months later and i, I i'd be lying to you if that thought didn't come across my mind i'm like texting my whole like thing like, anybody have connections to that that african prince that emailed me Emily, you have to come home right now i'm about to fall asleep and i need you to kiss me wake me up so so ryan and patreon says right now that uh peralt was in 1697 grim was the mid 1800s so if there was copywriting it would have expired not the copywriting was significant back then that's true interesting point that's true it it would expire so they're breaking unwritten law i mean they're not breaking any any laws um and then I, i would really like to see if they set any precedent for like legal cases down the road for plagiarism and copyright. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta wonder, you gotta wonder. It's like, there has to be one guy that's super mad that these brothers are just repurposing all these stories and making a mint. Like they have to be, I don't know. Someone's great, great, great grandchild. Great, 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 great. Yeah, see, so, so it's like, man, these, these brothers are, you know, and then all these other brothers, the brothers Rob and the brothers Jones, they're all doing it too. And they're like, all right, these, this has to stop. This has to stop. And then copywriting comes along. So I don't know. That'd be interesting to look into. But anyway, going back to the scary splinter, 
never really understood that, but I'm glad that you kind of brought up that it's kind of inspired by the original fairy tale. Yeah, which is a um, on a flax. Yes. But you know what flax is? No, I don't. I just said yes because I wanted to sound smart. It's like flax seeds. Double checking. It, yeah, it's like um, yeah, it's like a a seed. Yeah. Oh, okay, perfect. I didn't. I didn't know what it was. I eat them. Um, oh my gosh, I eat them. Am I in danger? <laughs> yeah, you prick your mouth. Oh my gosh. <laughs> on the inside. Yeah. yeah. So night, night, Chris. It it <laughs> it makes me feel a little bit better knowing that that story about the whole pricking of the finger to go into a coma essentially originated mm-hmm. back then and they drew inspiration from that because it, i don't know i just feel like things back then didn't need to make sense we've all we've all read like oedipus and stuff like we like none of that stuff really makes sense we just you know we have to read it and that's and it's just a story so i'm glad that it wasn't a modern idea that she'd prick her finger and just go into a coma i don't know just weird and, and it's also weird I, we'll talk more about about maleficent's beef with with um with everybody but it also like it just seemed like pretty petty of what she did what the spell yeah but we'll talk about that yeah. in a little bit oh yeah in the early 1900s walt disney was focused on making full-length animated films he successfully produced snow white and the seven dwarves and cinderella both which became great successes walt had the idea to make an adaptation of charles perrault's sleeping beauty in 1938 but it wasn't until 1950 that he started to develop the idea Walt wanted Sleeping Beauty to stand out from the two previous fairy tale stories. During all phases of production, he stated multiple times that this has to be different. During production, the Imagineers decided to reduce the original eight fairies to just four. Three good fairies and one bad. Maleficent, which means doing evil or harm, is the fairy of darkness and from the beginning, they wanted her to be more powerful than the hag-like villain in the original tale. Mark Davis, who had previously worked on Snow White, Tinkerbell, and Alice, helped with the design of Aurora but it's also given the task of supervising the animation of Maleficent. Davis immediately dismissed the idea of designing her like a standard witch. He instead wanted her to look elegant. Davis found inspiration for her design from painting in an art of the Middle Ages book from Czechoslovakia that was in his library at home. The character he was drawn to was painted in a black robe with flames on the fabric. Mark later said he designed the rest of Maleficent like a giant vampire bat to create a feeling of menace. He gave her red trim to highlight the flame-like shape, but Earl, who was in charge of styling, background, and color for the film, asked for it to be changed to lavender, which Davis agreed to. Davis and his team gave Maleficent's costume some reptilian qualities to foreshadow her transforming into the dragon. That's super interesting. The design of Maleficent, I would rank above, I don't know, in the top villain designs of all time as far as animated movies go. She's just perfect. Yeah, she's really good. I mean, I'd say in Disney, the second best would be like Ursula. Yeah, you know what? That's funny. Is I, I was thinking the same thing. Like that Ursula is is definitely up there. Is it the purple? Do we like purple? Nah, maybe it is the purple. They both do. They both do have purple. But I don't know. I think I think it's just like he said. He he designed it after a giant bat to be menacing. She is menacing. He wanted her to be elegant yet demanding. You know, that's what she is. Yeah. Uh, the green skin really stands out. The yellow eyes are piercing. The horns like a devil. Like that's, those are all really good details that puts her above everyone else, I think. Especially your silhouette. If you just look at Maleficent's silhouette, you know exactly who it is. Absolutely. And her silhouette just, it's it's such a good silhouette. Mm-hmm. We, um, she's a very, like, 
she's very strong looking. She's, uh, you know, because they, they said they wanted someone different than the, the villain from Snow White, like the hag, you know. Mm-hmm. And she's just very like she's got this strong, these strong features in her face. And she's got, you know, the black, the purple, the, you know, she's just so such a strong looking character. And uh, I don't know, like like I said, her design is just is top notch. It was I, I like to see the um the history behind that. It's neat. I like that they the reptilian features to to foreshadow her transform into the dragon. That's cool. I was actually reading she um they designed the dragon kind of after a rattlesnake. And now like if you look at the like the movements and stuff of the dragon, you can kind of like see the the snake like movements and the and the um. And if you look at like, the stomach and the neck of the dragon, you can kind of see where they drew inspiration from a snake. It's all like menacing, evil creatures that they were able to combine into one thing. Yeah, you're right. Because I go over it as well. That is that is true. Um, how, how would this guy having a book in his library? I guess, I mean, he's an animator, so maybe it makes sense. But Middle Ages book from Czechoslovakia of just paintings? Like... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's something you'd have in your in That your would be cool to have. It's like middle age art. That would yeah. be a cool book. I imagine that book being super thick. Like, you know, like almost a hand width and like really heavy oh, you know, absolutely. binding and stuff. It smells really old, like that musty smell like it's been in oh, the yeah, basement. Oh yeah, 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 in this library. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know what I'm convinced? I'm convinced, Alex, is that cuz you you just said oh, it'd be really cool to own, right? Do you think your wife would th- think that would be cool to no. own, or just, just you? Just me and you. <laughs> yeah. So this is here's the thing: this guy and his wife, Saturday morning, going yard sailing, and he sees this old dusty book for a quarter. And he's like, "Oh man, look how cool this is!" And his wife's like, "No, you're not getting that book. You're, you're, there's no your way your library's already book. full. Where are you gonna put it? Look how big it is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's huge. And he gets the book. <laughs> so." To prove his wife wrong, he he finds like every project he's looking through. He's like, "Dang, not today! Ah, <laughs> oh, man, that's not gonna work for Tinkerbell. Nope, not for Snow White." And then, <laughs> and then finally, he finds this painting, and like the producers, like, "Oh, you know, we don't want to. We want something really menacing and ugly." And then he finds this thing. He's like, "No, no, I think we, I think we should do it like you know, attractive, <laughs> an attractive villain. What about this Czechoslovakian? Changes uh, the whole thing." Painting. <laughs> yeah, they, they should have a, they should have a black robe. A black robe that's gonna that's gonna fade away in the background. No, 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 no it'll work. Trust me. <laughs> and then and then every time he gets the check from the movie in the mail, he just yells and goes, "Hey, another check from that Czechoslovakian book that we got at the yard sale. That twenty five cents paid off." They're saying Maleficent looks really good. They're saying her look, <laughs> she looks really good. That's good the, reviews. That's the story I want to believe anyway. I hope that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. That's the one. During the animation, Mark Davis used the voice actress Eleanor Audley as inspiration for mannerisms. Audley voiced Maleficent for the movie. She had previously voiced Lady Tremaine, Cinderella's evil stepmother, in Cinderella. Mark would sit in the sound booth and sketch Eleanor's expressions and gestures while she recorded her vocals for the movie. Eleanor's voice also inspired the height of Maleficent since her voice was very powerful. When Sleeping Beauty premiered, Eleanor's mother commented on how much Maleficent looked just like Eleanor. Davis also designed and animated Maleficent's raven, Diablo, which was used to give Maleficent someone to speak to instead of having internal dialogue. The climax of the film has Maleficent turning into a dragon, which was animated by Eric Clayworth. 
Eric based the head and movement of the dragon on a rattlesnake, giving it powerful muscles with a bulky body. When Sleeping Beauty was released in 1959, it earned over 35 million worldwide, which calculates to over 380 million today. Maleficent became the queen of Disney villains, becoming one of the most iconic Disney villains still to this day. She is highly represented in the parks, with stage shows, parade floats, and merchandise. She even now has her own meet and greet and is heavily utilized during Halloween-themed parties. It's pretty impressive that she has such a huge presence in the parks to this day. You're talking a movie that look, came out in 1959. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a long time ago. And to be able to stay relevant for that long, like there's, that, that, that's crazy. And the coolest thing about Maleficent, I think, is that in her human form, she's menacing. She is terrifying in the parks. I'm talking like she's she is, you know, scary to look at, scary to see. But then as a dragon, it's scary, too. And, it, and it's like mm-hmm. and it's like seeing both of them is like equally as cool. And they both have, I feel like, equal representation in the parks. Yeah. Yeah. She's still very relevant, which is amazing. It's it's crazy how many characters like if you look at different companies like Universal, uh, their characters kind of die out eventually. But Disney is able to keep make these characters live forever uh, by be it by making new content with them or by just adding them into things um, like that one cartoon we talked about the Mickey the Mickey cartoon I'm blanking on the name right now the one where they own a restaurant slash music House of Mouse area House of Mouse yeah they brought in a lot of IP into that Maleficent was one of them they brought in a lot of different people you know things that they do that where they 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 take characters from old movies and just add them into little things here and there so it catches the kids' eyes and then they know who they are. And then when they go to the park, they see them more, but also the um, just the, the movie in general uh, you know, lives up to its name. Like If you go back and watch these movies, they still are really, really well done. Yeah, I think that's absolutely. helps make them live longer. But also Disney's ability to put them into everything. Um, that's a good point you bring up about Universal. Because, like, a lot of their characters do visit, like, like, that really dumb, stupid movie they made in, like, the 30s about that giant gorilla that climbed the tower. I forget, uh, you know, Queen King Kong, I think it was. That that, that that character really never made it amounted to anything. There's no rides anymore or anything um, having to do with him. And then all those dumb monsters they tried to, you know, stay relevant, like Frankenstein and Dracula and the mummy. You never see it. Uh, you never really see them anymore. Yeah, a lot of people still love those characters, but... You're right. They're not making new content about them. They they did. They are trying to bring some of them back. I remember they did made the Thing movie not too long ago. Yeah, I was totally. Uh, but being, I don't think they did very well. Yeah, I was totally being sarcastic with that statement. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> I know you were because you said King Kong. <laughs> no, but no, but actually, King Kong is really the only um, relevant character yes. uh, ride wise in the parks. You still you, they do they sneak in those Universal monsters during those special events. But that's the difference between. Um, uh, they're villains, and I feel like Disney villains. And the Disney villain, like Maleficent, you're still seeing her not in rides, but you're still seeing her in shows and parades and meet and greets. Mm-hmm. And it's not seasonal; yeah. it's all year long. Like you, you don't have to wait for a Halloween to see Maleficent because mm-hmm. she's relevant all the time, I and mean, she's she's in Fantasmic every single night. Yeah, and I feel like in the last twenty years, she became a lot more. I mean, I think it was before Maleficent the movie came out; she was still very popular. But definitely in the last 20 years, I feel like she's really skyrocketed in, in um, popularity. The live action movie definitely um, lit a new flame, no pun intended, um, under her, her 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 following, I feel like. And she does have a cult following. 
I really do think it has something to do with the the colors. The green and the purple is just really cool. But I also I also think she's like she's a she's a powerful woman figure, and I think that helps too because she just kind of does what she wants, you know. Yeah, but I feel like like um, our generation really loves villains. Like if you talk to any Disney fan around our age, you know, 30s, 20s, we love villains. We love Scar. We love Maleficent. We love Ursula. Maybe not maybe not the uh, Snow White villain that much, uh, Evil Queen. But all these other villains we like really love. Yeah, I agree. There's that game Villainous that uh, you've played before. I, you know, I've played yeah. with my wife a lot. Yeah. And there's just some there's something interesting about like the lore between behind these villains and that's why I like going to the backstories of these these villains because you get to see their point of view mm-hmm. and you get to see their origin stories which is very very cool in my opinion so if they did another origin story what would you want next like i know we they're, t- they're going to touch on scar but not really it's it's not really his movie but if they did do a live action movie on a villain what would be the next one you'd want oh man I'd like to see, uh, and this is going into uh, Star Wars, but I'd like to see like a Captain Phasma um, origin story because who is she? Mm-hmm. I, I like characters that play, or or even Supreme Leader Snoke. I know they kind of went into his little backstory with the clones and everything, but I like um, mystery is cool to an extent. But when you have a character like Captain Phasma who is in a lot of the movies, like where is she from? I I, I read a rumor online that her armor that like platinum looking armor was uh salvaged from one of those like naboo cruisers that that padme used to ride in Mm -hmm. like the whole of one of those so like is that true i would i would like to see something like that i don't know i just i'd like to see and and again you know captain phasma villain i'd like to see another villain origin story i think they're i think they're a lot cooler i mean we've seen spinoffs of heroes uh han solo seen that it was okay that was cool but yeah i'd like to see some more villain villain origin stories give me a darth maul origin story oh man darth maul i think they touched base on darth maul and his uh origin in um somewhere because i remember i think it's just an episode of the clone, clone wars, wars. Yeah. yeah they talked about him and his brother but yeah i agree those would be fun i think um a true ursula origin story would be good yeah i mean they did i think they touched base on it during like you know, some of the cartoons or the, you know, the third movie or whatever, you know, the really bad ones. But a true, right. you know, they, they, the, I haven't seen the new Arrow yet. Uh, people are saying the, it doesn't look great. But I think, I've, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more later when we, yeah, but, but uh, I think, yeah, I do Ursula looks that. decent. So I think they could do an origin story for her and I think it would look good. Yeah, and I think with Disney Plus, you get you have a lot, um, a lot more freedom to explore some of these as well. Uh, we saw, even if it's a cartoon, we saw uh, Marvel's What If. Mm-hmm. That was cool. That was cool. Yeah. You got a whole bunch of spinoff stories. Give us a little, you know, give us a, a cartoon series. Even I'm not, I won't be picky. I know that live action costs a lot of money. That give me, give me a cartoon. I don't care. Yeah, seeing some of these origin stories would be would be very cool. Like we talked about earlier, the Scar and Mufasa thing. Very excited to see that. Mm-hmm. You know. What happened yeah. all the years leading up to the the what we watched in the films? Yeah, give me that. I like that. In 2014, Disney released a live-action film starring Angelina Jolie as Maleficent. This film told a backstory of the character and how she had a tragic past that made her hardened and resentful. 
The movie showed that she was a powerful fairy who protected the Moors, a magical realm. The movie shows how Stefan, Aurora's father, became king after drugging, Mel- drugging Maleficent and cutting off her wings to resent the king to become his heir. Maleficent finds Aurora in hiding with the three pixie fairies and decides she doesn't want to hurt her. Aurora eventually picks her finger and f- pricks her finger and falls into a deep sleep. Maleficent tries to help Aurora and brings Prince Philip to kiss her, but it doesn't work. What does work is Maleficent apologizing to the sleeping beauty and kissing her on the head. Aurora finds Maleficent's wings in a cage and loses them. They fly back to Maleficent and reattach. The movie was a great success, earning over $750 million worldwide. The success of this film garnered a golden age of villains, with the villain's IP growing larger and larger. Disney produced a second Maleficent movie, Maleficent Mistress of Evil, in 2019, despite the second Maleficent not move despite the second Maleficent not doing despite the second Maleficent not being as well received as the first, Disney already decided that fans loved the villains and wanted more of them. So in 2021, Disney released Corella. It is rumored that there is going to be a Lion King prequel that will note that will show some of Scar and how he became who he is. So you brought up a good point. You say our generation is fascinated with villains. We like villains. Mm-hmm. This movie obviously is not for us. It was for kids because of the, 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 the rating of the movie. But this movie showed a more compassionate side of yes. Maleficent. And it painted her in a different picture. And yeah, I wonder, sure. I wonder if that had anything to do with like remarketing her towards the younger generation. Yeah, maybe because definitely they changed her backstory where she's not doing it out of just jealousy, I guess, of not being, you know, in the original, she's like, just wasn't invited. And like, she's just just upset about not being invited. This one gives her a real reason to hate this guy's daughter because he cut her wings off. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, And she's like the protector. Insane. Yeah. And then and then in Mistress of Evil, Aurora and her are like buddy buddy in the beginning of the film and uh so yeah it's definitely a different look on the story changing it in a different way making her still powerful you know still still has that black uh dress uh still has the same look so she looks like the same person but her backstory gives her more of empathy empathy you know and uh it shows how she can use her magic for evil because she gets into like a mad mood where she really goes hard on the humans. But then she uses her, her magic for good as in how she helps the Moors and uh, that magical realm. Yeah. I, I, like I said earlier, I love the changes they made. I did like the compassion. Uh, I did like how I felt bad for her. And I liked that it was a good origin story because it gave her becoming evil purpose. Uh, mm-hmm. I yeah. think that makes the best either either you're a villain because you're chaotic like the Joker where he doesn't need to have a backstory. He just is, mm-hmm. you know, love thrives on chaos and that's a good villain or you develop a really good origin story of what drove you to be evil. And did you see Corella? I did not. No, I did not. I reckon, have you seen I, that? Yeah, I saw it when it came out. I, I liked it and it does the uh-huh. same thing. It takes Corella. Oh. It makes her empathetic because of the way she was brought up and who she and uh, and who she became was more of a, I guess not really anarchist, but she was like very fight the man. Okay, like anti-establishment, kind of, uh, because she was wronged in her business of uh, you know her business oh. of choice and also her upbringing. 
uh, added on to that. Gotcha. And then they change how they change her relationship with dogs in the movie as well. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I like that. Be a little creative and and give us give us a different take on why this villain became evil. I like that. I, I would love to see more movies like that. Yeah, but also like villains being evil just because they're villains. Sure, and I think some villains should be that way. But I feel like there is some. I think I feel like there is a bit to explore, especially with Disney. But I feel like there's a bit to explore with some of these characters, like Cruella. I feel like giving Cruella backstory is not a bad thing. Uh, don't really know why she like in the movie. I, I don't really understand her very much mm-hmm. in the original movie. Uh, yeah. She's always scary. I don't know. Giving her a little bit of backstory and a little bit of understanding of why she is that way. And is it canon to the cartoons? Not necessarily, but no. But you, you know, you can pretend it is. And I don't know. I, I I like the I like the different takes on the on the um, villain backstories. I like that um, it reminds me of comic books when they'd start over. Right. And and the the writer was given full creative control on the future or the past of whatever villain or hero. Mm-hmm. And while they stuck with their stuck with their core values, like um, uh, an, an individual character like Iron Man, he's still going to be a billionaire. He's still going to be, you know, cocky or arrogant, but maybe, you know, maybe he changes his ways or maybe they show why he became that way. And I don't know. It's cool because you get to start over, but with the core principles of that character. And if they keep doing that, I, I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep supporting them. Let, let's be honest. I'm going to keep supporting them anyway. I will still be watching all these movies. But I would be happy to support them if they keep doing that. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely can't wait to see more of these type films. And um, I don't think they'll make a, th- a third Maleficent movie, but I hope they keep making Maleficent content. Sure. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't sure. think they'll ever stop. There's too much money in it, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, what are you more of a fan of? The uh, remakes or the uh, or the spinoffs, I guess you call them? What do you mean by spinoffs and remakes? What do you? What do you okay, so what a do remake, mean? which is a total remake of the movie. So we had Jungle Book and we had Jungle Book. We had Lion King. We had okay. Lion King. I got you now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, I really liked the new Jungle Book. Yes, that was a bad example because I liked the new Jungle Book. <laughs> no, I do like remakes when it comes to films that are a uh, hundred years old almost. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, yeah. Let's do. Let's use today's you know technology computer, right yeah technology to fi- make it a look better um but then also you can have big mistakes like lion king yes that's a big flop yeah you know um but i do like remakes and then i also like the other time other time too i like the different variations um so i think i like them both i don't think i like one better than the other yeah, so I I tend to agree with you with the remakes. I like I loved uh, Jungle Book. I thought it was a really good fresh take. Mm-hmm. I loved Aladdin. Even I was did not yeah, think I was Aladdin. gonna. I, I did not think I was gonna like that movie as much as I did. I didn't think I was gonna like the movie, and then I thought I was gonna hate the music because I I know I saw I I know they changed some of the tones of the songs, and so I thought I was gonna hate it, but then now. I don't hate it. Yeah, and I ended up loving it. I I, mm-hmm. I loved Will Smith as the genie, and I like how he made it his own genie and not Robin Williams' mm-hmm. genie. It was just it was just a fun movie. But as far but then you know we have flops like Lion King, and yeah. um, and I really I know you think other um, think opposite of me, but I really didn't like Lady and the Tramp. I I didn't like that one either. So I'd like to see more. I I, I lean towards liking the spinoffs more because I don't know if I've watched a spinoff yet that I didn't like. I, I, 
I can't think of many other ones, but I, I, I like, I really like the ideas of them and I like what they did with Maleficent. And I love that. I, I think we could have done without the Lion King remake and just give us the Mufasa and Scar spinoff. There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot more story to tell for these characters. There's a lot of depth to these characters. Give us, give us some spinoffs instead of give us more spinoffs and less remakes. Like Moana, to do it, they're remaking Moana already. Give us a, give us a spinoff of how Maui ended up the way he did, or some of his, you know what I mean? How do he lose his hook and this and that? Show, show us a whole movie on that. We don't need a remake already. Yeah, that's a little, that's a little too soon to do a live action remake. I understand the concept. Like, hey, we can do it. Like, we we have the technology now to do it, but it's like, but like. Give it some time. Yeah. Let it let it roll around for a little bit. Make a cartoon animated series first. Or something. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't have to go straight to a live action film. No. Nope. I agree. If you're gonna do something, don't redo the story, but re- make something different. Like Maui's origin, that would be cool. That yeah. would be amazing. But I wouldn't do live action. I'd do animation. Sure. But even if you wanted to do a live action, I wouldn't be as mad as the the remake. And um, you know, it's never too soon to do a spinoff, but it's. A little too soon yes. to do the remake, and by a little too soon, it's like very much too soon. <laughs> like tw- twenty years is too soon. I'd say the max would be like probably forty years. Yeah, maybe thirty. Yeah, it's just ah, come on, man. Quick fire, quick facts. Let's go. Jimmy McDonald, sound effects artist, used audio of U.S. Army flamethrowers to get the fire breath sound from Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty. In April of this year, Disneyland's nighttime stage show Fantastic was shut down due to the 45-foot-tall animatronic Maleficent dragon caught on fire. In 2018, a Maleficent steampunk dragon caught on fire during a daytime parade in the Magic Kingdom. In 2015, teen movie Descendants, the lead character, Mal, is Maleficent's daughter. In the film, Maleficent is the leader of her fellow villains and wants her daughter to help her rule the world. We here at Diz His think Maleficent is such an iconic and awesome character. Even before the hit movie Maleficent, which gave fans an easier side of Maleficent to love, fans already adored the true evil queen. Before we wrap up talking about Maleficent, we did talk about her presence in the parks, which she has a very heavy presence in the parks. She has a very heavy presence just in Disney IP in general. Video games, TV shows, um, TV TV show movies, like the, the... house of mouse uh special she was the one of the lead villains in it um she's the i think it was in oh gosh the late 90s i think it was there was a video game where she was the final boss in a mickey mouse game it's just like she's everywhere and it, it's just cool to see it's cool to see that this this character has really um lived the te- or, or you know what is that live the test of time yeah, when zombies did a, um, they did a Christmas special during the pandemic where they went to this park and they kind of ran around at night and tried yeah. to do stuff. Uh, they used Maleficent as the evil person they were trying to stop. So even, even something that's not even connected, like that that zombies is not connected to Maleficent at all. But they're like, hey, we need a big bad for the park. We're using Maleficent. And in Kingdom Keepers 1, which we did an episode on Kingdom Keepers, Maleficent mm-hmm. is the main villain in the first in the first book. It's yeah. like she is everywhere, and rightfully so. She's she's menacing throughout 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 the year. She's just timeless in in how menacing and, and powerful and scary she is. Oh hey, a package. It's from Joe. Wonder what it is. Sweet. Three Cheeky Chicks Mickey Waffles. Wow, this smells delicious. I don't mind if I do. 
Three Cheeky Chicks Candle Company. Come check us out at MagicallyScented.com where you can get smells like pirate water, burnt empire, best day ever, tiki room. <laughs> and I can assure you, it smells a lot better than it tastes. And don't forget to use promo code DIZHIS20 to get 20% off your purchase. MagicallyScented.com. We make your house smell like Walt Disney. Walt Disney World. Walt Disney World. World. Right, not the guy. Uh, that would be weird. But you know what? If you do want your house to smell like Walt Disney, shoot us a message. I'm sure we can do it. At MagicallyScented.com. Check us out streaming on award-winning Disney streaming site, Sorcerer Radio, on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, or catch us again at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Sorcerer Radio is an amazing 24-7 Disney radio. Just visit srsounds.com or download the Sorcerer Radio app. Hey guys, want to hear something cool? Do you want to be part of the Goof Troop? Our Goof Troop is the best, and a way to help support the show. You get access to our wonderful giveaways, Discord chat, and you can join for only $2 a month. In our Discord chat, you can interact with the hosts and some of our great members. There are Disney-themed games in our chat, streams from the park, we have a special Spotify playlist. Overall, we just have a lot of fun. You also get access to our live shows, which can sometimes be a little crazy. Once again, help support the show for as low as $2 a month and join the Goof Troop. Just go to dizhiz.com and on top, there's a link. Hey, I'm Joe from the Diz His. And I'm Nick from Sandpiper Vacations. We will be teaming up to give one of the best travel experiences ever. I am a travel agent with Sandpiper Vacations. We are able to book any vacation destination around the world, including Disney, cruises, and all-inclusive resorts. We have been working here at the Diz His to become travel agents. And with our knowledge of the parks, we want to plan the best Disney trip for you. Using us as a travel agent, we are updated on the latest and greatest information about all of the destinations. We can help save you time, stress, and sometimes some money. Using our services costs you absolutely nothing. It is completely free to you, and we are happy to assist you with giving you more value for your trip. So if you're looking to book your next Disney trip, go to DizHiz.com. Check out DizHiz Destinations on the very top. So Alex, what did you do this week in Disney? Haven't done too much this week in Disney, um, but what I did do was I saw some information about Ariel. I don't know if you saw this, but they brought Ariel uh, based to a meet and greet Ariel based on the live action film. Did you see oh, this yet? No, I didn't. I heard I heard that they were. Um, I I guess I heard rumors that they were going to do it. I didn't mm. know that they actually did it. That is awesome. Yeah, and I. And not last week, but the week prior, I talked about how we went to Disney. My daughter met Ariel and right. asked why you don't look like the one in the movie. Yeah, and yeah. The, the lady did a good job saying, like, oh, it's a lighting over here or whatever. Um, so they have brought the live action Ariel to the parks for meet and greets. And uh, they did something different to make sure that they also have the original Ariel as well. Oh. So what they did was at Disney World, the live action version of Ariel has meet and greets at Hollywood Studios. You can find her meet and greet near the theater at the end of Walt Disney Presents, where Monsters, Inc. meet and greets used to be. They used to have the Ariel ride, but they closed that down. 
so that's no longer there. So the only aerial in Hollywood Studios is the live-action aerial. And then, of course, if you want to meet the uh, the animated aerial or the, the original aerial, I guess, whatever you want to call her, uh, she's at Magic Kingdom. And then That's in, really cool. Yeah, and then in Disneyland, the new aerial's location is by Eric's Castle Library, and the older aerial will still be having meet and greets in the Royal Hall and Fantasy Fair. So again, they're breaking these up into different areas so that there's no confusion of which arrow you're meeting, I guess. So you yeah. can go ahead and meet whatever you like or even meet both if you want to meet both because they're going to be different stuff. I love that. I love how they're preserving the magic, how they're kind of keeping them in two different spots. And they're preserving just, you know, both characters, uh, both renditions of the same character, I should say. Mm-hmm. Live action and the classic cartoon. I love that. That's really neat. And I found some interesting history on Arrow as well or on, oh. you know, mermaids in general because you know there was that big issue with oh why are they changing her to you know black or african-american right right why are they changing her um but actually a black mermaid is actually historically factual really during the transportation of slaves from africa to north america there was a common myth slaves would tell each other um and it was they would say that if someone fell overboard they would turn into a mermaid uh, it also was said that people who were lost to the water could turn into water spirits. That's pretty interesting. So, wow, that that's interesting. That's uh, it's 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 um, so take that racism, I guess. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's it's way more historically accurate. Oh, that's interesting. Um, it's just. I heard a lot of um, controversy about this movie, obviously, like we all did. Unfortunate controversy because of stupid changes like that. Not enough controversy about how dumb, like, the live-action animals look. But yeah. I'll tell you what. I um, I mean, I'm hearing pretty good things about this movie, and I'm really, really? excited about it. Yeah, I am. I, I'm huh. hearing everyone besides Dane that I've – which um, – Dane's a Dane's truther. very critical. Yeah, Dane's he's, very a, critical he's a Disney truther. Action. Yeah. He wants so, OG Disney. He wants to wake up yeah. and be in 1960. Every, yeah, really. Everybody that I know that watched this movie has enjoyed it. Uh, Nick from Sandpiper, just he saw it, he liked it. Uh, him and his husband, I think, yeah, yeah, him and his husband and his daughter, they all went. They saw it, they all loved it. My cousin went with her mom and um, her daughter, they loved it. Uh, everyone that I've that I've talked to so far, and it's getting decent reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, like from and by decent, like like good, like good reviews from from uh, audience members. They the movie's longer than the original, so there's going to be some more storytelling, I guess. And there's this new song called Scuttlebutt, and Aquafina voices Scuttle. I kind of love it, Alex. I kind of love the song. Oh, really? You've heard it's it? Kind of, it's kind of like a, I heard like a 10 seconds of it in Dane's bashing of it on his video. And I didn't want to say this because I didn't want Dane to hear, it, but I kind of liked it a lot. Really? He hates Aquafina. I love Aquafina. I think she's I think she's pretty funny. Um, I like Aquafina too. Yeah, I, I like her. And you know what was interesting? I'm stealing this from Dane. Dane said in his, it looks just like if you want to watch Dane's review on The Little Mermaid, you can visit him at Big Beautiful Diz on YouTube. He explained, and this is one of my dumb criticisms of the movie, is Scuttle does not look the same as the cartoon. Well, there's yeah. a reason for that. And um, in the original cartoon, Ariel goes to the surface all the time, right? In the movie, she visits the surface for the first time in the movie. So how do you establish the friendship between her and Scuttle? Well, they made Scuttle an aquatic bird. Like, so he's not a pelican. Right. 
So he's an aquatic bird that can like go underwater for like 15 minutes. And it's an actual bird that exists. So that was oh. kind of cool. Yeah, kind of a change that they needed to make. This was kind of neat. I'm excited to watch it now. Um, but I'm glad that it's getting better reviews than I thought it would. Hmm. Interesting. Chris, what did you do this week in Disney? So today when we're recording, this is my actually my birthday. That's right. And my sister and her boyfriend got me a box of Star Wars cards. And the box only has four cards in it. It's a more like a premium set that they came out with and you get one guaranteed autograph and just three uh, regular cards. They could be numbered. So I opened up the regular cards and they were actually good cards. I got two numbered cards and they were just hard to get. But the exciting thing is this is the most fun part about the box is there's an encased card in there. So you put the little foam on top and you like slowly peel it down to see mm-hmm. who it is. So yeah. I peeled it up a little bit. I saw orange and I thought, Oh my gosh, an orange card means that it's out of 25, which means there's only 25 cards uh, in existence in orange, right? So I start I start bringing down the foam a little bit, and I see an orange helmet. I'm thinking, oh, man, I think this is an animated character because there's a lot of animated characters that sign the autographs. So I keep pulling it down, and to my su- pleasant surprise, it was, it was Ming-Na Wen's autograph as Fennec Shan. Wow. So, yeah, so super excited to have that in my collection. It's out of 25. It's got an orange background, matches the orange helmet. I'll post a picture in Patreon so that our Patreon members can see it. It's a really cool card. I uh, I just determined that I wanted to start collecting, um, focus on collecting cards from um, The Mandalorian and Boba Fett. Like, I like that kind of, like, bounty hunters, um, bounty hunter characters, and I really enjoy the TV shows, so I'd like to focus on more of those. So to, to grab her and to ha- be able to add her to my collection was, was really, really cool. Um, other than that, I didn't do uh, a whole lot. I did buy tickets, or my, uh, my wife bought me tickets for my birthday to go see um, Cross the Spider-Verse, which I'll talk about in next week's episode. I'm really excited to to watch that. It's kind of Disney. It's kind of Disney. It's, it's a, Disney adjacent, I guess. Yeah, it's Disney adjacent. That's a great way to put it. So, yes, yeah, so I will be seeing Across the Spider-Verse <laughs> yeah. uh, this week. Um, but as far as Disney news goes, we did hear last week that Disney was bringing their dining plans back, which a lot of people were excited about. And Anyway, they just released some details on the dining plan, so I just kind of wanted to share that. Now, I don't know if you are into these dining plans or not, Alex, but and I guess you wouldn't be because you don't really stay there; you just kind of go. But yeah, so but I think is dining plans are different than getting your discount for having passes, right? Right. So here's what the dining plan is. So uh, oh, Nick talked about it last time he was on the ep- an episode. He was talking about dining plans. Yeah, so exactly. So here's the actual details that came out, like what it's going to be because they said the dining plans are coming back, but will it come back like it was before? Is it new? So everyone three and over receives the following. So you get one quick service meal per night of stay, one table service meal per night of stay, one snack or non-alcoholic beverage per night of stay, and then one resort refillable bug. So if you book a four night package with the Disney dining plan, then, and it say it's like <clears throat> four people, uh, you get four table service meals per person, four quick service meals, four snacks, and then um, they can be redeemed anytime during your stay. So I would love to do the math and see if this is worth it. I, I, I don't know. I know that um, years ago when I would watch these videos on YouTube, they'd say, okay, if you have the dining plan, get your snack at this one because it's the most expensive one. You'll get your most bang for your buck. Or this is like the biggest portion that you'll get. Dine here. Don't dine there. So I'm kind of excited to see some of those videos come back out again to kind of research for when I, I, I go back down mm-hmm. so I can see if it'll be worth it for me. I do know that there are hacks to 
getting the best bang for your buck with this dining plan because you could lose money with this. Yes, I do Nick not was talking about that, and he said he might make a video on just telling people how the best way is to utilize this type of stuff. Yeah, like buffets. You know, would a buffet be you know be included, or like what buffets would be best? They they did release a list of all of the restaurants that will be participating, but it's like over a hundred things long. I'm not going to read that. You can look that up yourself if you're interested, but those are just like this, the, the surface of the dining plans coming back. Cause I know that a lot of our Patreon members do, uh, were like really sad when the dining plan went away. So I'm happy for the sake of people who used it a lot that it's coming back. I'm glad that Disney's kind of returning to that normal that it was before the pandemic, because there's just a lot of changes that rub people the wrong way. And that maybe prevented people from, going more often so hopefully the the reintroduction of the dining plan and then keeping some of the same aspects of it helps people out financially but we'll mm-hmm. see yeah next week on Diz his we're going to deep dive on disney's gay days and we're actually gonna have nick from sandpiper come on as our guest so for those of you who don't know uh nick is from sandpiper he, it's a it's an lgbtq plus run owned and operated uh business so he's very familiar with these Disney's gay days and uh we wanted to have him on so he can actually share his opinion on the topic because he's gonna know this way better than Alex and I do. And um hey, if you want to go to a Disney gay day, you can reach out to Sandpiper Vacations and go to one. Yeah, I think it's set up for you. That's the his on the character Maleficent. I'm Chris. And I'm Alex. Thank you for listening and have a magical week.